Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Live and Learn with Daniel Floyd. For those of you that don't know me, I'm your host, Daniel. I'm a teacher and a family man striving to be better every day through open-minded conversations. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. For this episode, we have a new guest on the show. Sean Mainz has been a friend of mine for many years now. I don't even know the first time we met, but I'm pretty sure it was on a soccer field. (laughs) He was a soccer coach when I was playing in high school, and he is currently the head soccer coach at the school I teach at. And he actually teaches social studies just down the hall from me. I wanted to have Sean on the podcast because he is a Christian teacher who teaches in a public school. And he's also the father of three children, all of whom are currently enrolled in public school. Now, I've been thinking a lot about public education and how it interfaces with Christian values. I've been pondering questions like, are public schools antagonistic to families with Christian values? Should Christian parents remove their children from public schools? Or is it irrelevant where kids go to school as long as they get a good education? I believe Sean is a perfect candidate to discuss these questions with, and I really appreciated him sharing his thoughts with me. I hope this is the first of many episodes where he and I can discuss all things teacher-related. If you have thoughts about Sean and mine's conversation, I'd love to hear them. I'm active on Twitter, and my email is down in the show notes. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Thank you all again for listening. Let's get right into the episode. Okay. Can we hear each other okay? Uh, I can hear you. Great. Okay. So I had a, the mic set up to where I couldn't record us both at the same time, but that problem is solved. Now. Yeah, that wouldn't work. <clears throat> okay. Well, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. Good glad, to be here. Yeah. Glad you could make it. Uh, we just made our way through some technical difficulties and we're recording now. So we're just jumping straight in. Jump straight in. Okay. Best way to do it. Well, I've I've actually wanted to have you on the podcast for a while um, because I have this thing I've been thinking about, um, obviously, so I'll let you introduce yourself in a second, but we're both teachers at the same school, um, which I think is great. Um, I teach science, you teach history, um, but I've been thinking a lot about different school models and thinking about my own experience of how I was schooled. So I went to a very small church school and I, I look back on that fondly and I like, don't really have any regrets that my parents kind of made that decision for me. Um, and then I went to a public four year college and got a master's degree after that and all this stuff. And now I teach in a public school, which is like very different than, uh, my upbringing. And I knew it would be. Um, and yet, for my whole life, I've pretty much been a Christian as well. And so it's just kind of like this interesting mix of experiences that I'm trying to make sense of, of like, okay, I was raised in a Christian family. I went to a church school and now I'm teaching in a public school, which is not overtly Christian, obviously. Um, 
but that doesn't mean I still can't be a Christian in that context. Um, and then I'm recently married. And so it's like, well, what are we going to do when we have kids and, and all this stuff? And you're a teacher as well and a Christian and you already have kids. And so I kind of see you as someone of like, oh, you've like gone this path ahead of me. Not that you're old or anything. You still very young. You look great. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Um, but I just wanted to like get your perspective on school, basically, more so from a parent's perspective. Um, obviously, you're teachers. We can talk about that. But I'm just curious um, what your perspective is on being dad and then making decisions of like, well, we could send our, do homeschool. We could do a church school. We could do public school and all these things. And obviously you've made some decisions because your kids are, you have a high schooler and, and on down. Um, so I'm just curious what your perspective is on this, just like huge can of worms. So I don't know, before we kind of get into that, just go ahead and kind of introduce yourself and tell us who you are in terms of like teacher and all that fun stuff. How yeah. long have you been teaching all that all that stuff? Yeah, you bet. Um, so, yeah, my name is Sean Mites, and I've been teaching since 2005. Um, so, whatever that math is. You're now, a pro. 18th year or something like that. Nice. Going into. Um, and I've always taught in public schools. Um, I've only taught in two public schools over that uh, time period, both in rural Missouri. Um, yeah. And that may factor into some of the things that we talk about here today. Yes. I, yeah. Because it's, it's a little different. Yeah. It's a little different. Um, but I think that our school where we're at um, in Kirksville is, is unique. It's not a normal rural school. So we could talk about that as well. But okay. uh, I teach social studies. So I actually spend my day talking about religion and politics. Nice. Yeah. The All two, the fun topics. That's right. The two things you are not supposed to talk about in polite company. Uh, and that is literally my job. Nice. Uh, also in polite company. So it is possible. It is possible to do. Very cool. Um, I teach U.S. government, honors world history, a couple of elective classes. Uh, I coach uh, the soccer team. Yeah. As well. Mm -hmm. um, so I also recently have become the pastor of my church. Um, so very busy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, sounds like you enjoy all these things. I, I do. Or at least you keep doing them. That's right. So my thought well, is, what else would I be doing? Fair enough. You know, like <laughs> sitting around watching TV like that does not interest me right. uh, too much. So uh, you said, you know, I think our backgrounds in education are pretty different. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, so where did you go to public school? Were you raised in a Christian family even? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I was raised in a, uh, in a Christian family. Mm -hmm. Um, I did attend a very large suburban St. Louis public school. Okay. Um, Pattonville high school. My graduating class was somewhere between 400 and 450. Nice. I think once you get past a couple hundred, it doesn't matter anymore how many people are in the class because you don't know them all anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that was my graduation. Like, I did not know some of the students that were graduating. Nice. I didn't even know they went to our school. It was that big. Yeah. So is that double our high school that we teach at? Probably. Uh, yeah. I think we graduate in Kirksville about 180 on average, yeah, okay. might be 160 to 200 yeah. on a class, maybe okay. a randomly large class. But we're kind of in that. So, yeah, you're looking at... A little past double. A little past double. Nice. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so this is small. I started in a smaller school. Mylan um, is a is a class one school, uh, so pretty small. I don't pretend to know their class graduation yeah. size, uh, less than a hundred, I think. But I don't quote me on that. Um, but I will say, uh, oh, I also went to a four year, well, five year college public college nice. uh, with Truman State University. And yeah, Truman. Okay, I yeah. couldn't remember if you were a Truman grad or not. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. You did the MAE yes. and all that? Yeah, yes. very cool. So, And that's where you went. Yeah, Masters of so, Arts and Education. Yeah, so we have the same educational crossroads at that point. Yeah, nice. Um, but I will say, I do have um, a, a church school in my background. I am a graduate of Our Redeemer Lutheran Preschool. There you go. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> You've seen all the sectors. You've done it all. That's Public right. School. Yeah, yeah. So the, maybe not homeschool, but avoiding the life of debauchery of a normal preschooler in my Lutheran school. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know why. And I only thought of this just before I got on the podcast with you to ask my mom what the decision making process for that was. Okay. Um, it seems like it was just, um, like a necessity. She wanted us in school and the only preschools available were at the Lutheran schools. Mm, so okay. I, 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 it seems to be something along those lines. Okay. So, More of a, maybe a circumstantial kind of decision yeah. as opposed to like, okay, we're going to intentionally try to put baby Sean in something that's Christian or anything like that. Right. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Learning Christian shapes as opposed to public shapes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny you say that because before before you came over, I was thinking like, yeah, so I went to a church school here in town, K through 12. I'm one of the few students that like didn't move and come back or anything during that time. So I feel like kind of proud that like I actually went K through 12. Full timer. Yeah. Full timer. Just like the whole gamut, high school and everything. Um yeah, and I I mean, I, I'm sure I've talked to my parents about why they did that as opposed to the public school, because um, there's obviously a public school here in town. Um, but I don't know if I've asked them recently, like, point blank, like, why, like, what was the, the kind of the logic behind that? Because, I mean, the short version of that story is my parents both went to public school. My dad was raised in a Christian home. My mom got saved right before college, but uh, but they both went to public school, and then they're from Tucson. They came here for my dad's med school. He went to med school here. Um, and the plan was go to med school, go back home to Tucson where all the family is. And once they got plugged into the church here, they just felt like, no, we feel like this is our new home and this is where we're supposed to be. And I mean, we've been in that church since. Um, so that's like since 93, which is, is that 30 years? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and then, you know, it's the same church that had the school. So, I mean, it all kind of goes together. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't asked them point blank about like why, why the church school as opposed to public school or anything like that. So, right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and that's something I could talk about with my own kids when we get there because um, we've got our kids in public school now. Yeah. Um, so we've made some choices about that, but we could talk about that whenever. You want to? Yeah. Well, okay. So I guess the first thing I'll ask you is, so I'm, I'm asking you about this from a parent's perspective. Does it even matter in your perspective where kids go to school? Or are there things that are more important to consider about, like, what are your top priorities when you're looking at a school? Or does it not even matter where the kids go? Like, what are the priorities and how, 
what is what's your view on like how parents should even think about their kids' education? Um, well, I think there's legitimate things for parents to think about, and I can't you know comment on every parent and every student. There's going to be different circumstances and things that sure. might weigh into that. Um, but for us and our kids, like I don't think it was ever really a question of whether or not they would go to the public school. Okay. Um, my wife and I are both public educators. We believe in public education. We believe in uh, the system. Uh, and we also um, think that, you know, the that, that children, our children at least, in the public education have a lot of opportunities to do things, um, meet different people, uh, even be confronted with different things mm-hmm. that... Uh, would be beneficial to them. Yeah. Um, so, like, we're big proponents of it. I mean, we've dedicated our lives to participating in the system, being teachers ourselves. Um, and, like, for our children, I think we kind of explicitly want them to be in the real world. Okay. Um, and a part of all the flaws and the conflict and the joy and the hope and the, hmm. you know, the good, the bad that comes with that. And, um, I, I, I just think for us, that is kind of the best situation for them. Yeah. Um, we did actually send our children to the life church preschool. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. It's so the, I, the fun factory, the fun factory. Yeah. I think all, but the youngest. Yeah. So my oldest two were in that, And then, it okay. didn't exist for a while. Yes, and it's it's still not operational currently. There's talk of getting it back up and running. Yeah. Um now, but but yeah. And that was out of a legitimate need mm. for preschool. Yeah. Uh because there are not a lot of preschools that operate. You can send them to a daycare, you could send them to, you know, a random lady with like way too many kids in her house doing it illegally. Like there's a real black market daycare. Yeah. Black market daycares. Uh, there's a real need for daycares in a community like ours and probably yeah. all over across the country. But so for us, that decision was kind of, it was the best option that there was for preschool. Yeah. Um, and that's what we want, but it was never really a question that of should we just keep them in a school in the church school the rest of their time? Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I don't know the, the problem I have in some of this stuff is knowing like what the alternative decisions are Yeah. and what the alternative choices are. Um, or the meth- the motivations to put a kid in a different school. Um, yeah, it was never something that we were worried about. Um, yeah, so, and, and that's kind of, so I think we kind of start with a superficial question of like, where did your kids go to school? But then I think this, this conversation backs up into questions like, well, what's the purpose of school? And what... Why would why would some I'll just say Christian parents decide not to put their kids in a public school? I mean, obviously my parents chose to do that, and the church community that I'm a part of is very like we talk about all the time about how you know we talk about like worldview and values and and belief systems and things like this and how um, some parents might say that in the public school your kids are going to be 
at best surrounded by worldviews and values and behaviors that are antithetical to Christianity. At best, you're just surrounded by that. And then maybe at worst, it's like going to be like preached at them and shoved down their throats and indoctrinated. Yeah. And it's like you go to public school. And I mean, I mean, if you kind of look around our nation, there there are some crazy things that are, uh, you know, in terms of books that are being given to kindergartners and things like that. And, you know, I don't kind of like what you were maybe alluding to earlier. I don't think we can just like characterize all of public education throughout the nation as like this is the experience and the climate and the culture that's going to be there. But but a lot of parents might say that, well, we we want to raise our kids in a Christian environment. We want them to be schooled in a in an area where the values and uh, the worldview that they're being exposed to aligns with our Christian values as a family and as a church. Um, and so that would be like the impetus for a church school or a Christian school or maybe homeschool, depending on, you know, who you talk to. Do you buy into that kind of perspective or do you see it that way? Or do you have another view on, I'm, cause I'm assuming you're raising your kids as like, we're a Christian family and like, obviously kids grow up and they make their own decisions about that. But I assume that there are certain values and worldviews that you operate by as a household. So then how does that interface with where they go to school? Right. So sorry. Was, no, it's big dump of a question there. Kind of. No, it was, it was what I needed. Uh, so I think like to think about the purpose of education, the purpose of education at a, just a base level for anyone who's involved in education is to learn like you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, mm -hmm. uh, and those types of things. And then sort of base level, then you grow and you start to talk about, um, growing in critical thinking, growing in experience and things like that. Okay. So I think anywhere that you would go to school, you would get those things. You would learn the same information. Yes. Right. If so, I go, so if I go to church, a church school, algebra one is algebra one. Yeah. You're not learning. And if I go to algebra is, is Muslim math. Like it comes out of the okay, so that's a historical statement. It's a historical statement. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clarify that. Um, but it is algebra. Like it, it comes out of the Middle East, and we don't present a different math. We're not like, oh, we got to do Roman numerals because we're Christians. It's just we use <laughs> Arabic numerals. We we all agree to a baseline of common standards, numbers, language, and things like that. Yeah. And so you're going to get that wherever you go. I would say if where you're going doesn't give you that, then go somewhere else Okay. at the baseline. Yeah. And when it comes to the things, and this is where, like when we talk about as Christians, mm -hmm. this is where I think people would differ based on their interpretation of both culture and maybe Christianity. Okay. Maybe the Bible, you know, as we try to apply it to our lives. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, it's a question of like with my children, uh, I don't know that we necessarily felt that we were doing them a disservice by putting in them into public education mm -hmm. uh, where they could be exposed to different ideas. That's going to happen at some point in life. Yes. Because you can't shelter or shield people from this. I mean, China tries to do that, you know, like, and it doesn't work. <laughs> they don't have Google there. <laughs> yeah, they don't have Google. So, and in, in a free society like what we've got, the access to information is going to be huge. Yeah. 
And I will say for myself, um, growing up in a Christian home and in a public school, I still felt sheltered. There hmm. were still things we didn't do. Interesting. That we knew we shouldn't do and that people were doing that they shouldn't do. Okay. Whereas, like... Are, are there any specifics that come to mind? Of things we weren't doing? Yeah, of what you mean by that? Like, we weren't doing drugs or having oh, sex. Okay. You know, like, Got it. In okay. the, the evil, you know, right. sort of things. I mean, we didn't smoke. I ran around with the youth group at church a lot still. Like, I had two worlds of friends. Yeah. Like, the church group was kind of my primary go-to friends. They were my real tribe. Yeah. And then at school, I was not a different person, but I ran with different people. Yeah. Um and the connections there were never as strong as what they were at church. Hmm. And so there was still that element like my home life was good, both my parents were there and loving and very supportive. Uh took us to church. We were there twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday type of family. Uh and it was a core part of who we were. Yeah. And when something would come up, they would talk to us about, mm. you know, we would have that conversation. It'd be the same with my own children now. I still feel like they are sheltered by the love and care and support of their family, even as we send them out into the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking Christian now, so we just send them into the world. Um, hopefully, and if like from our perspective, to be salt and to be light. Yeah. In a dark place. Like if there's a war for our public schools, mm-hmm. uh, if it's a spiritual battleground, then I, as a parent, a Christian, a pastor, wouldn't be comfortable saying we should retreat from that battleground and and just let it go whichever direction, whatever other people want it to go in. And I don't know. I don't like that analogy. Like I'm sending my eight year old to a battleground. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I don't know that that is the right metal metaphor. Yeah. But the battleground is kind of like, you know, he's got friends in his class that are hurting and need help and don't speak English because they're from a different country. Mm-hmm. And if he can like be kind and, um, be generous and show love and compassion to these people, even as an eight year old, then when he's inviting them to come to church, like that's a great opportunity for them. Oh yeah. We love that. We love that kid. Let's get him. Let's go with him. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's more where we come from is like that salt and light or, uh, in Jeremiah's letter to the exiles, Mm -hmm. um, he wrote that letter to the Jewish people living in exile in Babylon they are like captives, exiles. Right. And he tells them, like, build houses and plant gardens. Hmm. And I think for for us, that, that more shapes our viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Of like, man, if you guys can go and, like, build people up and bring some love and hope and joy and maybe find the outcast student and bring them in and, like, show them love – the public schools are a huge mission field. Like they're probably our biggest mission field in Missouri right now. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine. And they're, it's a captive audience. (laughs) They have to be there. Sure. Uh, They have to be in school somewhere. Uh, And so like, as I talk with my youth at church, um, we just had a training at church and we have 15 students show up 
uh, from two different schools. Um, some kids came over from Edina, an Edina church, to get the training as well on how to how to witness to their friends. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that we're going to look at doing is a nine-month mission trip. And oh, it's wow. just a nine-month mission trip to your school. There you go. And so we have a great opportunity. Um, and I think it helps us disciple our own children mm. through some of the things that they're doing while they're still or they're confronted by while they're still under our household. Yeah. Uh, that they would come home and be like, man, even even my teacher said this. Oh, okay. Yeah, some people believe that way. Let's talk about this. Mm. And it gives us an opportunity in a loving, safe environment to guide and shepherd and disciple our own children and yeah. talk about real world life issues yeah. with them um, in really, really practical ways because their their friends are going through this. You know, um, I, the kids got friends who are, uh, they got parents going through divorce or parents on drugs and jail. Like some of these. These are very real things. Very real things. That are happening in our community. Yes. That our kids are going through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so like our kids don't have that situation. Either parent is in jail or on drugs, and we love each other, and we don't yell at each other. Like yeah, it's it's so they are they know they've got a safe place at home. Uh, they know they've got a safe place at church, and so when they go on to their mission field as a teenager, or man the middle schoolers, they they need our support as yeah. adult Christians uh, yeah. in, in ministering to our middle schoolers on how to, how to handle that, how to talk to somebody, how to avoid um, the traps of, of sin, the traps of addiction, the traps that, you know, the devil lays out there for people to fall into. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's it, while they're at home is a great time to do that. Yeah. Um, because man, once they get out, like you went off to a four-year college, yeah, but was still in your own community. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you, I, I, what higher education might be another topic. But sure, yeah. W- when they go off, they're not in that home environment anymore, right? Necessarily, right? And and even though I went to college in my hometown, like Truman is still, it's a weird bubble. That is true. Culturally, yes. That is very separate from the rest of the town. Yes. And it's it's kind of strange that that's the case. Yeah. Because it's li- like geographically, it's just in the middle of the town. But culturally, like even though I went, like I went there and I like for most of college, I was still living at home just outside of town. I still felt like I was in a different place. Yeah. So I guess I say that just to your point, though, of like, when kids go off on, t- on their own, like it'd be, it'd be good if they knew how to handle that, how to navigate the world around them, the real world, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, instead of being like, Oh my gosh, I've never met anyone who doesn't believe what I believe. And I've never met anyone with different, uh, you know, uh, habits and stuff like that. And like, i I totally don't know what to do here. Like that. Right. I would view that as, uh, a tragedy or like a bad thing. If my kids are like, I've never, I've never had to have a conversation with someone who doesn't agree with me. Right. And I'm 18. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, because there is a skill to that. There's Mm -hmm. an ability to know how to converse with people you don't agree with. Yeah. Um, and those, they're challenges and, but the challenges help us grow. 
yeah. like like spiritual weightlifting or yeah. maybe just like socialization, like sure. how to how to communicate with people um, who look different than you or had different life experiences and are going through those things. Because, I mean, man, our example, Jesus knew how to do that. He could talk to anybody he wanted to. Yeah. And um, he wasn't even cheating. Yeah, I know, son of God and all that stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> He was God. How am I supposed to be? Oh, wait, I'm supposed to imitate him. That's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> imitators. We'll do greater things, yeah. he said. So yeah. um, I, I, I think that for me is really, really important. And I don't want to – I hope I haven't sounded like I'm – knocking or dissing anything else because everybody's got to make their own decisions about sure. this stuff based on what they think is best for their family and their children. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I, when I read scripture and when I think about applying it to my life and my children, like um, I, I want them to be exposed to these things while, while they were still there with us and we could talk about them and, yeah, and love them through it. And, you know, I mean, I'm in the school too. Uh, so I see a lot right. of what they see as well. I mean, at the high school level, and um, my wife teaches second grade. So we've kind of got both ends of the public school vision. And what yeah. she sees in second grade is kind of the effects of broken homes hmm. and how that will impact a seven, eight-year-old. Hmm. And they come to school and it might be uh, the only positive adult interaction that they have all day long. Wow. Uh, It might be the only warm meal that they didn't have to cook for themselves at seven and eight. Yeah. Um, So I I think that's a tragedy because, like, I, I don't think that's a fundamental purpose of education. I don't think that's a fundamental purpose of the school district. Uh, to well, provide meals and emotional well-being, cor- you know, correct. loving adults. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be at that point. Right. As a culture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so culturally, societally, like we've got some big things going on in our society now that get dumped onto the school system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the school systems are attacked and berated because of the problems, but the, and we're biased, sure. you know, <laughs> let's point that out. Um, but we are doing the best we can with what we get from a society that's got real, real problems. Yeah. And I, I think that is, that that's a whole different podcast. We'll say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have you on for a conversation about the interface of culture and education yeah. and, and cultural yeah. issues versus education issues. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Well, there's, so there's a lot of things that are standing out to me as you're sharing. Um, so from, from like, I guess the Christian parent perspective, it sounds like your perspective of being Christians is that we don't run away from the culture around us. We don't hide and become monks in a monastery and just like, I'm not going to interact with anything because it's a bad, scary world out there. And I'm just going to hide with my kids in the home and we're going to, you know, homeschool, not to say that's what all homeschooling is. To be clear, I did not say those words. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds like you're coming from a, a place of, well, no, we as adults interact and engage with a culture that is 
at you know maybe at best has a different view or at worst hostile to to our christian views we still engage in terms of having conversations and being present and working side by side and having careers in the public sector and all of these things for the sake of having influence and being a blessing to our community. You, you mentioned earlier of like, man, if my son could like help other kids and be kind, like he could be a blessing to the community and engage with what's going on around him. That it sounds like you're saying like, or you're, you see it as like, that is the biblical perspective of how Christians broadly should be viewing the world around them, that we should be engaging and interacting instead of running away and hiding. Yes. Am I oversimplifying it? No. I'm be- trying to piece apart kind of just like the the pillars of like what is informing what we're talking about here. Right. So I, I think about that the verse to, about being in the world, not of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, like people are going to look at this different, have different situations and circumstances in their lives where, you know, and given a particular school district, like if a district is failing and not doing those baseline things that may have massive implications on where they send their students. Yeah. I think of the underfunding of like inner city schools. Yeah. Like that's a horrible problem. Again, so society problem. Yeah. Um, but that may weigh in on it. But if if I'm just thinking about my own family, to be in the world, we have to be engaged. Yeah. But we're not engaged in the sense that we become the world. Mm-hmm. So we don't behave in the same ways. We're not out partying, and we're not, and we're going to do our work as unto the Lord. You know all these things that we know as Christians and what our Christian values are. Yeah. We live those out in the world, mm-hmm. where the world can see what we are doing, mm. um, because that's our witness. That's yeah. witness level number one. Mm-hmm. It's the incarnation. It's the idea of of Christ coming into flesh. Yeah. An incarnation. So when Christians go into the school, it's an incarnation of, of Christ in the public schools. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not capable of commenting on whether or not that's an incarnation in a homeschool or in a private school or something like that. Because I mean, my experience with private schools, like when we play a private school in sports, their mouths are just as dirty you know, they say just the same things. They're just as bad sports as anybody else because <laughs> they're just kids. Yeah. So I, I don't know if, you know, sending a kid to a private school is going to shield them and protect them or if it will just they'll just go in under the ruse of a shield. But really, once they're there, everything is just as bad as everywhere else. Yeah. But they're confused because like, well, this is a Christian school and they're doing all these things anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's almost worse than. Because it has a label of Christian, but then the the outworking of all of that is contrary to what the label is. Yeah, where yeah. again, I I don't feel really comfortable like diving too far into that, but just from my experience, um, kind of as a coach or even um anecdotally yeah. the evidence would seem to be that way. Like we live in a fallen world. Uh, we're not going to escape that. Uh, we should try our best to be, you know, to bring the kingdom of God to where we are uh, and how we do that. Um, just for me and my family, I think 
we do that best by being in the public schools, engaged in it. Um, it's kind of the Puritan dilemma. Hmm. You know, they the Puritans in England, do they stay in England and try to fix the problems with the English church, or do they hop on a boat and sail across hmm. the ocean to get out? Um, and I would be much more, I think my personality uh, would be much more to just let's stay in and fix and help and be a blessing, like you said, Yeah. Um, rather than to move move Abandoned out ship. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I don't want it to seem so harsh because again, I think parents are just making the best decisions they can for their yeah. family. Right. Uh, and man, no, no shame on that. If that's where they're at, if that's what, uh, they need to do by all means, yeah. you know, uh, do what's best for you and your family. But yeah, I, I, I don't know motivation, like people's motivations, sure. like what's the motivation. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want this and I'm pretty sure this is not in, this is what you're saying. And like, I, I don't want this conversation to sound like if your kids are not in the public school, then you're not a real Christian and you're just hiding away and you're doing everything. Like we're not trying to condemn anyone who yeah, is making different decisions. Yeah. You mentioned monks before they produce some really fantastic <laughs> writings and things that like from their experience are really helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to, if, if we were to push that, that model, to all Christians universally, universally, I think we would be in trouble. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so this is just like an interesting conversation. And I've been talking to a bunch of people about this and thinking about this and reading about this. And it's this weird thing of, I think that there is some value in arguing the school model that your kids go into homeschool, private school, Christian school, public school, like there is, like they are, they're not trivial differences. But then the concern with us parents or even Christian parents is like, I want my kids to follow Christ voluntarily, obviously, and like live a life that honors him and brings the kingdom of heaven to earth is kind of like the poetic way of saying it of of like establishing god's kingdom his values being salt and light to our communities um and so and so schooling can be a part of that but then on the other hand i then kind of go to this other side where it's like well i could almost argue that that is i think it's important but then it's like is that important in light of the family culture. So then you said something interesting earlier of like, you can use the experiences that your kids have in a public setting, public school on the soccer field or whatever. And then you can be like, Hey, let's talk about that as a family, or let's talk about that parent to kid. And like, let's have a conversation on what happens there. What does the Bible say about this? How, how do you as a 11, 12, you know, nine-year-old, navigate that situation. Um, to me, that family conversation is, I think, more important than arguing about what school they're going to. Um, because, on, and then on the flip side is like, you know, like I went to a church school. Fun fact, kids are still kids in a church school. And so, like, a lot of the shenanigans or, like, sin issues or just, like, problems, life issues that you would see in the public school, the dark, scary public school, 
that happens in like the Christian circles too. Um, you know, and so it's like just sending your kid to a school that says Christian on it doesn't just mean they don't have issues or they don't have to figure out how to navigate hard things. And so then it's like, then I go to this place is like, well, maybe it doesn't matter about the school model as much as like, as much as like the family is involved. Um, I don't know. Could there, could you, I'm curious about this then. Are there situations where you could see like, maybe if your kids are in a public school, but then mom and dad are not having conversations with their kids, is that a detriment or do parents have a responsibility to have those conversations and like help guide their kids and help kind of like shepherd them, so to speak, to use like a biblical analogy? Um, I don't know. How yeah. do you see that? Yeah, well, definitely a detriment okay. if parents and kids aren't talking. Yeah. Um, and like society, the, the, the society we live in right now, the culture we live in right now is like busy, busy, busy. Hmm. That is like problem number one for like across the board Hmm. society problem. Uh, And so with Christian families, it's going to be the same thing because what time do you have? Or if you've got to work, you know, a single mom working two jobs, how in the world can she talk to her kids about what's going on in school? Yeah. Just wiped out or working with these factory jobs, Hmm. 12 hour shifts. Like it's crazy stuff. What's happening in our society right now. But again, society problem. Aside, parents have to find that time, even if they're homeschool. I mean, homeschool, they've got the time because they're there, they're communicating. But that that family dynamic would be way different than anything I can. I mean, we had some homeschooling time during COVID uh, when schools were shut down. Yeah. And we had a few months of just really just being in the home. And it was incredible. It was incredible. Um, I don't think it would be incredible to do that all the time <laughs> like that's the model of our entire life yeah um but for any any child that's going off and spending eight hours a day in another place and then are coming home there needs to be those conversations mm. and so the parent has to be the initiator of that asking compelling questions not just how was your day <laughs> but like you could fine you know like what'd you do nothing you yeah, know right none, Class- neither of those are true like, yeah. you're not fine and you did something so yeah um but asking compelling questions like oh what'd you learn today or you know tell me something that happened and how that made you feel you know um and kind of getting underneath that and opening the lines of communication with yeah. your own kids is going to be huge yeah because they need to have that positive loving relationship no matter where they go to school mm-hmm because like you said, like even if they go to private school, you might want to know some of the things that are going on uh, with the other students yeah. or whatever. So, um, and that's that's got to be a key. That's got to be a key yeah. because the family is like number one in this whole equation. Mm-hmm. I saw a uh, it was a t shirt, um, and I think it was a it was definitely like a homeschool um, t shirt, but it was like. I don't co-parent with the government Hmm. or something like that. Okay. And like as a public school teacher, I'm like, I love that shirt. Please don't. And you can also send your kids to school for math and history and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, The school district and the government are not parents of these students. Mm -hmm. We're not their parents. We are their teachers. Yeah. And 
if the parenting they're getting is from the public school, it's putting responsibility onto the public school that it is not meant to accomplish. Mm-hmm. It's not a responsibility they're meant to fulfill. Yeah. And the the stress of that on the system is is hard. Like mm-hmm. we are the the system is struggling. Yeah. Right now, like without a doubt. Um uh just the demands that are placed on it by a broken society, uh the demands placed on it by we'll call them adversaries to okay. the public school system. Yeah. Uh, who are willing to complain about how dysfunctional public schools are while at the same time undermining public schools um, through funding or whatever. Yeah. Um, Like there are adversaries of the public school out there that want to see it fail um, and are, maybe this is too conspiratorial. I mean, no, that's not, Uh, it's probably not. but, um, But if we could do our jobs as public school teachers and teach then these other things that come up really wouldn't be wouldn't be the the number one things anymore. Hmm. I teach government yeah. to Republicans and to Democrats, to liberals and conservatives, and I can do it because I'm teaching, you know, government. Yeah. Just, here's government, guys. Yeah. You may be as conservative or liberal as you want to be, but here's the government. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. So take it. Do your thing, you know. Yeah. With math, there's a liberal conservative math, you know. Um, and I kind of get where people are coming from with like, uh, like the LGBTQ um, push in school. You mentioned right. the books, yeah, things yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But that's a conversation piece. Hmm. That's a conversation piece to say like, yeah, like this is what's going on here. Yeah. And this is what we believe. Yeah. And this is what they believe. Mm-hmm. And this is why we believe what we believe. Yeah. It's why, you know, if you can answer, this is why they believe what they believe. Not like they're evil, possessed by demons, you know, like, oh, yeah, chill. Okay. Yeah. But having those conversations, I think, is the key to kind of all this. You're going to have them anyways. Yeah. I have real world conversations. Yeah. I would prefer real world conversations with my kids. Right. Yeah. I guess. So I guess. I guess I should also share like kind of more of my background thoughts. That's kind of motivating my questions too, because I'm coming to a place where I've been just like thinking and reading about like, what is the philosophy that undergirds public school just as an entity and why it exists. And I've gone back and I've read a little bit of his like Horace Mann and you know, all that good stuff of, of where it comes from. And one of the things that I think I'm realizing about public school is that the assumptions, the worldview assumptions that go into the discipline, the classroom, uh, the teacher student relationship, the teacher parent relationships. And one thing that I think is just like blanket across the board is this idea of secular humanism. And I mean, I'll just define what, what I mean by that, but it's like, I think some, assumptions that are like really critical that are kind of just assumed by teachers or administration or whatever in public school is, is things along the lines of, uh, man is inherently good. And so, which is a non-Christian view, Christians believe that man is inherently sinful and that by his own nature, we will reject righteousness, we will reject goodness, regardless of any education we receive. 
And so, but the humanist view would be man is inherently good. And so we, as long as we just educate students on this is, this is how you need to behave and this is what you need to do. Here are good conversation skills. Here's conflict resolution stuff, like just all of these things, then they can take those things and put them into practice. And then like, we will have a good moral, healthy society through education. Um, another thing that I think that I see is that your personal religious views are irrelevant to academics, your academic studies. So whether you're a Christian or a Muslim or an atheist or whatever, like history is history, government is government, and so I can just teach you government, and that has nothing to do with your basic worldview or your basic religious views. Whereas to me, that seems kind of troublesome because if we're talking about government, sure, I can tell you there's three branches and this is how it works and here's all the logistics. Okay, great. But then I think there's a deeper conversation that I, I would hope would be having, happening in schools of like, well, what is the purpose of government and what is a good government versus a bad government? Um, and we, and then, you know, get into legislation, what are good laws and what are bad laws, you know, things like that. Be, and it, I, to me, it like, it becomes a moral conversation and kind of almost like a, a dogmatic conversation of like, well, okay, I can tell you what happens in government and what's going on, but I think there should be a deeper conversation in a classroom of like, well, what should we be doing with it? And like, what's the ideal here? And how do we know? what we're saying about government and things along those lines. And so, yeah. And there's just other things. So I don't know those, I think those are two big ones too, of like humans are inherently good and they just need education. And then also this idea of like academics are just academics and your the worldview stuff. The religious stuff is actually unrelated as a Christian. Those major premises kind of bother me. And so, we can get into like, well, what do I do with my kids? But like, just kind of like characterizing like the nature of public education. Um, I don't know. That's just like, I don't think you can get around that as a Christian. Like that's something that's like a big elephant in the room that I can't ignore. So I don't know. I'm curious. Do you see it that way or? Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. That was a lot. Um, so two parts. So like the, the secular humanism part, like, even if we wanted to take – so let me say this way. I don't want to push back on the inherently evil part, but actually I do want to – just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Not that I you kind of made a face, and so I'm curious what – Yeah, and I'd write it down, but the 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 idea – like, sometimes – and maybe this is – we're trending a little more religious here, uh, but I think yes. that's okay. But let's, yeah. let's talk this out because um, – the inherently evil part is kind of a Genesis 3 on model of humanity. Okay. If we bring back Genesis 1 and 2, God created humans in his own image. Yes. So you could argue inherently good Genesis 3 fall, ruined by sin, separated from God. Yeah. So minor detail in that, but what I think I would see that would be different in uh, like – everyone is created in the image of God yes. viewpoint mm -hmm. would be something where like, yeah, education will not save us from our sin. 
-hmm. Education will not reconnect us to God. We have seen education, atheistic education, fall into uh, evil. Just it's just as easy, you know. People blame you know religion as the cause of many wars, and like it, sure it has. Sure, but like in the same place, like atheistic. Soviet Union is educated and still like destroying people actively. Right. So like, it's not an education and not a lack of education. It's, it, it's a sin problem. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I think at that level, like we're ruined by sin. So the only solution to the problem would really just be Jesus. Mm-hmm. And like, ideally if I push the, the viewpoint, oh, all Christians should be in public schools viewpoint well why would you say that sean because like ideally all people would become christians like in that's you know that none should perish would be the ideal version and i could push that all the way to its extreme and be totally comfortable with the result of that like hmm. no 100 percent of people in public schools are christian mm-hmm. is that possible in a fallen world no but um so like when that comes up, like yeah, education will not save us. Like the Enlightenment failed at the at one level, it failed at the uh, French Revolution. Hmm. They started guillotining people uh, who were enemies of the revolution. And I mean, the Enlightenment is not over. We are still very much living in oh, yeah. the Enlightenment, um, the effects of the Enlightenment right. in a modern or even a postmodern. Um, worldview yeah and i'm not concerned about either of those worldviews with a christian worldview worldviews are worldviews but christianity can operate like jesus operates in in those Uh, the context changes but the gospel is still going to be the same Mm -hmm. how do we talk to a postmodern how do we talk to a modern how do we talk to a socialist how we talk to a capitalist how we talk to a, a person who lives in a democracy versus someone under totalitarianism those are all contexts but the gospel is still the gospel the, the gospel is still the gospel yeah, we have right. to contextualize it we have sure. to talk about things differently of what Jesus would do and how he how he frees us from our sins in those contexts mm-hmm. so again the context of public school private school homeschool is going to be different but the gospel is still going to be the same yeah. in those situations mm-hmm. and as far as like the religious views being irrelevant i without a doubt we live in a post-christian society yeah uh if not anti-christian yeah so like without a doubt i don't think we do a good job helping ourselves out (laughs) in that sure uh speaking as a christian as a pastor (laughs) i'll just put that out there like we don't do a good job of making people not want to be anti-christian Yes. Sometimes we're the biggest haters, jerks running our mouths the most, which is contrary to the gospel. There's a real hypocrisy problem, I think, in the church, broadly speaking. Right. Of being like, yeah, we stand for the most benevolent, loving God, and then like we're the biggest jerks or... Yeah. 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 Shoots us in the foot. Yeah. And so when it comes to... I mean, you brought up moral questions of good government, good laws, bad government, bad laws. Yeah. Uh, I still think it serves the point to say, like, man, if we had Christians involved in that conversation talking about, like, you know, slavery's probably not okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, it could change the course of a society. Yeah. To talk about what are good laws and things, right. you know, based on uh, Christian viewpoints. Yeah. I am not... So there's an idea with separation of church and state. 
mm-hmm. that it's in the Constitution. It's not in the Constitution. <laughs> it's not a constitutional idea. Those words are not in there. Yeah. The First Amendment deals with freedom of speech, um, and it talks about the free exercise of religion. Yes. And um, the other one. Uh, there's two clauses for freedom of religion. I would know it in a few. It's okay. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, you know? show notes. <laughs> we'll just link it below. It'll come to me. Though. So like free exercise. I guess I can Google it. I'm sitting right here. Uh, but separation of church and state is uh, the idea that um, the church has no part of government. And it, it's interpreted that way. The way I understand separation of church and state is that the state can't come into a church and... Um, Tell them how to operate. Okay. Tell them they got all oh, like, or like the, ch- the state is going to fund particular churches over other churches. Got it. What did you find the other? Congress provides that Congress make no law respecting an establishment of religion or Stab- prohibiting its free exercise. Yeah. So establishment clause is the, uh-huh. the government cannot establish a religion and the government cannot prohibit the free exercise of religion, except in cases where like laws are being broken. Like, yeah. Uh, virgin sacrifices. Yeah. Sorry. I was about to say child sacrifices. Illegal. We both went to like a very extreme. Yeah, but you wouldn't do that. Yeah. Those would be illegal. Yeah. And so like with establishment clause and what happens with separation of church and state, the idea that a Christian person or a Muslim person or an atheist person, the idea of separation of church and state is that those people cannot bring their religion into the political sphere. Yeah. And I think that is a gross misinterpretation of what's happening. We have to do that. And we have to be allowed to do that. If we can't bring in our worldview into the political sphere to talk about what we most deeply believe and why we believe it, then we've got, we don't have a free society anymore. Yeah. And that would be true for any religion. And right. so in, in a public school, like I, teaching government, I've had Jewish students, Muslim students, Hindu students who are able to contribute to the world history discussion in ways that I cannot. Yeah. I try to present religions the best way that I know how mm-hmm. to be as fair to them as I can be. But I mean, in comes these students with backgrounds that I don't have yeah. and experience that I don't have. And it's really fascinating and interesting to hear from them about their own culture and religion. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree that having conversations across worldview and then being explicit about your worldview or about your religion in those conversations is critical. Um, There's a whole other tangent I could go on on this idea of like religious neutrality, I think is not even a real thing. Like there's no such thing as, and what I, and when I say religious, I mean, well, we're just going to be completely neutral and objective and talk about data and facts, and we're not going to bring any sort of dogma into a conversation. I think that that's a farce. That does not even exist. Well, because the religion that would be discussed would be data and facts. Right. That would be the religious worldview. And there, and there are assumptions about the nature of humans, our moral nature, and... The, the the belief that data and facts tell us something about what we should do and how we should live and and assumptions about, well, what should we do with those data and facts and what are we trying to accomplish here? Those beliefs, I call those religious beliefs, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So even if you're like an atheist, you still, I assume you still believe things about the nature of humans and what an ideal society or what ideal, you know, like you still have ideals in your mind, I mm-hmm. would assume. Um 
and so whatever those ideals are, I would call your religion, just as a personal kind of definition. And so this idea of like, well, we're just going to be neutral and not assume anything, that just doesn't make any logical sense. But Right. Yeah. But I don't know. So, yeah. So then one thing that still just kind of is interesting to me. So, like, I agree with you that, yeah, we should be having these conversations and Christians should be involved in the conversation and we should be present there. In a classroom setting, it's just interesting because the playing field that we are working out of has assumptions baked in. So you mentioned earlier of like, yeah, we can have a conversation about like, hey, kids of all these different religions, slavery is probably a bad idea. And I can say that to you, regardless of our religious, you know, uh, perspectives, because like, it's a bad idea and it's, it's wrong. It's dehumanizing. And, and, you know, and as a Christian, I believe this. And, and, you know, if we could have more Christians in the public school talking about these things, maybe we could like actually influence culture for the better. The problem with that, that I see is that in order to say something like slavery is wrong, you have to assume something. You have to have a moral standard that tells you that slavery is wrong. Because slavery is wrong to me and you because we have a worldview that's based on Scripture that tells us that. I'm not so sure that they believed that 300 years ago. And there were Christians there arguing why slavery is not wrong or why people with uh, black skin, dark skin are not really fully human. And that, you know, just like whatever justification you could think of. um, I don't know. There's like it's not obvious that like there's assumptions that have to inform that conclusion or maybe, and, and slavery is an easy one because I don't hear hardly anyone in our culture arguing for that. But then like, here's a, a fun hot topic button of like, should the government recognize gay marriages legally? So like, Ooh, like, okay, that's a big hot topic. I don't know. Maybe we're going to get canceled just for talking about this, but <laughs> all five listeners of this podcast are no longer going to be able to tune in because we're going to have to shut it down. But like, so like from a, from a biblical perspective, homosexual marriages are not marriages because of God's design for family and design for, um, marriage and family. And so a Christian can say something like that, love, like the government should not recognize these marriages because according to scripture, this uh, violates or is not in alignment with what God says. And so it's not my bright idea of like, this is my opinion. It's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to make a claim about a universal standard of truth and morality. And I'm going to, and then, and I'm going to posit or submit that we should all follow that as a culture. Mm-hmm. And then the atheist might come along and say like, well, that's ridiculous. Love is love. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? Of course, the government should recognize it because this is my marriage. And so why are you trying to tell me that? Right. And so now we're having an argument about like, well, what should the government do? Right. But our different points of view are based on these assumptions, these first premises that we have. And so as a Christian, we have those assumptions, but in a public setting, we almost have to like, we don't get to assume that or get to say that. We have to play from a humanist worldview yeah and because like when my definition of separation of church and state what happens in that discussion is um 
as soon as someone brings up their religion as the foundational part of why they believe what they believe, uh-huh. then the law becomes or can at least be interpreted as uh, an establishment of a religion. Mm-hmm. And so these become really uh, interesting at kind of the lowest bar discussions about what that means. Okay. Well, what does it mean for me to think that something is wrong and and you to think something is right and us to decide on whether it's right or wrong based on our own worldviews, and the government's kind of caught in the middle of that. Right. And so uh, it's a really interesting discussion that doesn't happen in an interesting way. Okay. What it, do you mean by that? Well, because it happens in a very personal and antagonistic way on both sides. Where we're just fighting. Correct. I think this, you think that, and we're just going to yell at each other, and yes. whoever yells and screams the loudest wins. Right. Kind of thing. And I do not think that is how Christians should operate in the public sphere. Yeah. That we operate in a different way when it comes to things like this. But yeah. it we don't hear people out. We don't have these conversations enough to know, like, I mean, that's a tough decision. You and I both sit on the same side of the fence here on this one to talk about it. Um we're obviously biased. Sure. And everyone, and and part of, and that ties into what I said earlier, like everyone is biased Mm -hmm. because we all have fundamental beliefs about everything. And so as a Christian, I would just argue that we all have fundamental beliefs and that we should all be allowed to share those fundamental beliefs. If someone's fundamental belief is secular humanism or naturalism or, uh, they're a Buddhist or a Muslim. Right. We should all be able to come to a place in the public sphere where we are able to talk that out. We're all subjective, but if we could be intersubjective, we could probably arrive at something that's pretty unique and cool about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't happen. And I think that's a shame because Christians should be the peacemakers in these situations. Right. And finding ways for this to happen. And we've got some, we've got some very clear central marks for what Christianity is. We talked about the fall of man. So creation, fall, redemption, glorification. Right. Like there are some central parts to this. My question, just, just to do this. I mean, we are way out of where probably we're supposed to be. No, no, it's okay. This is kind of, I'm okay with being here. We're kind of having a quasi theological conversation. Yeah. To me, this top, ties directly back into like, well, where do I send my kid? And I haven't necessarily tied it in, but to me, they're very related. So I'm okay, okay. that we're on this vein. So. Okay. So, so as a Christian, is my salvation or is our salvation or is salvation at all tied to whether or not there are homosexual people in the world? Mm. And I don't think that it does. I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. And so, so point being like, if there are homosexual people in the world, that doesn't negate my salvation or anything along those lines. Right. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. And so when we're having the discussions about things like gay marriage, um, w- when it comes to that and we're trying to, in some ways, uh, I'm just kind of thinking this out. Mm-hmm. If we're having this discussion and is like the worst that could happen uh, for the Christians, like, oh, people can get married and same sex marriages. 
Well, that's happening already. Sure. Yeah. So, um, maybe the worst thing that could be happening is like the government legislates that the only legal marriages <laughs> are gay marriages. Like sure. everyone has to be gay. Yeah. Um, or that we have to abort all the babies. You know, like these are unreasonable positions. We can't push those all the way to their extremes. Yeah. Um, and be okay with the results of that. Mm-hmm. But when we're having discussions and even at that for the, the person who is struggling with homosexuality or the person who identifies as a homosexual, like the idea for me as a Christian is still not, don't be a homosexual. The idea for me as a Christian is, do you know and have a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes. And I agree with all of that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not advocating for like, we should go and like imprison anyone or, uh, execute anyone by any means or, uh, even berate or stand on the road with hateful signs. Like, yeah, like I'm not advocating for any of that. And I totally agree with you that, Hey, we should be having peaceful conversations and appealing to people's humanity and, and, and operating out of kindness and brotherly care, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. The, um, the, my point in bringing all of this up though, is that for me, educate. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that education to try to bring this back around is actually deeply tied to first principles. What the teacher says, what the teacher is trying to communicate to the students is deeply tied to either what the teacher believes or the assumed beliefs of the institution that they're teaching on behalf of. And so to try to kind of like tie this back to like parents and where they send their kids, if you have your kids in a school eight hours a day where the assumption is unbiblical, we assume something about human nature, we assume something about the standard of morality, we assume something about what is appropriate and inappropriate behavior and all of this stuff, well, that directly affects, especially things like government and history and social studies, it very directly affects, I think, English and literature, education, and it, it does trickle into science and math. Maybe it's less obvious how it would do that, but maybe we could stick in the humanities just because that's easier. Well, I don't want to leave you off the hook. Well, you no, no, teach yeah. science, so, I mean... Uh... Big Bang theories and evolution. Sure, evolution. Like, like those are the low-hanging fruit of like how worldview ties into science. But I mean, you could even make an argument of like, well, what is science for? You know, like what we can learn chemistry, we can do chemistry, but what's the point of it? What? Why are we learning chemistry? And the answer to that question, A, I think is actually the interesting question. The boring question is like, what happens when I mix these two things? And like, it's like, yes. And I shouldn't say that's boring because it's my job to tell you that. (laughs) And it's my job to help you learn that. And make it exciting. But the more important question is like, well, what's the point? And the way you answer the question of, well, what's the point? That directly, I think, comes out of your worldview and what you assume about the world around you. To me, that's the education. And so then when I think about putting my kids in a situation where it's all the assumptions are non-biblical, to me, there's a tension there. And it's like, 
am I okay with that? And then, and then there's the other side conversation of like, well, as a teacher, and I'm like teaching in a humanist, secular humanist institution, am I okay with teaching that way? And like, am I advocating for something I don't believe in? Like there's this, there's this other kind of internal tension that, that is there too. And so I think that's kind of what's motivating me even having you on to have this conversation. It's like, I think these first principles matter. And, uh, I think we like to act like, well, just history is history or government's government, but I don't, I don't know if I totally buy that. So I guess my question and response would be, you don't think those first principles and basic assumptions could be, um, taught in the home in conversation. So then that's the follow up thing is like. I think if those things are taught in the home and addressed at home, then that overrides all of the contrary messaging that would happen in the school. And so then when I see, when I, so like if I go back to, we're over an hour now and like, but I'm enjoying the conversation. I told you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when I hear what you're doing and saying like, hey kids, like, hey, you're in a school and there's like these, there's these worldviews, there's these other experiences, the stuff that may or may not align with our Christian values. Let's have a conversation about that. I then like commend that. And I'm like, way to go mom and dad for having those conversations and for like initiating that and educating your kids. Like, so to me, that's educating your kids is talking about values and assumptions and like, like that deep stuff like that's the foundation of education, and then all the other stuff is details to me. Um, and so to me, that's less of a problem. Like that's great. And then I see, I see kids who have parents like that, and then I see them go through public school and come out, and they are like solid Christians. They're kind. They're loving. They know how to have civil conversations. They, you know. They're not confused about who they are. They're not confused about what the purpose of life is. Like, they're awesome people. And I'm like, man, that's great. But then I see maybe parents that don't do that. They just kind of let their kids go to school. They come home and they just do the things and they don't have those conversations. And then I see the kids really get swept away by the contrary worldviews and messages that happen. And like the classic example is like kid goes off to college and this happens of like, the kid's like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought about what a worldview is and these assumptions. And now I have all these people talking to me from a different set of assumptions about life. And now I don't even know what to think anymore. Right. And they completely leave their faith and disavow all of it. Yeah. And then it's like, and to me, that's, that's a real bummer. Yeah. That mom and dad weren't having those conversations. Yeah. And I think the mom and dad part, but I, I was thinking about this earlier too, the idea that like, you would have those conversations with your friends at the, in a public setting, even mm. at public school. We could just say public setting. Yeah. At the level that those friends are at, first grade, second grade, third grade, mm. you know, like, and you would be growing up in the complexity of your own beliefs as uh, other people are growing up in their own set of beliefs. But if you never, if you never get that development – through those ages, by the time you go off to college or even hit high school, wherever it is that you come into contact with people who believe differently, if they've developed that 
that skill of argument or they've developed a strong central worldview even in conversation or whatever, probably in conversation because they were probably de-churched at one point mm-hmm. and went through that deconstruction process. And so they've got some deep set ideas. Um, but if you're, if you haven't kind of grown up and developed that skill at the levels, yeah. then you'd be hit by somebody, you know, a college professor is yeah. kind of the classic, right? Though I'm not sure I agree with that That's, fully, but it's not actually how it plays out. It's everyone. It's all of your peers at yeah. college that challenge that and of like, whoa, there's all these different, if you've never experienced yeah. it, it like, I went to college, you went to college. I never, I, well, a couple times, but like, it's almost never a, co- a professor gets up and is like, this is what you need to believe. Like yeah. the professors are not actually doing that. Yeah. It's, it's all the people around you, but anyway. Yeah. But that's kind of the idea too, is like we grow and we develop in those situations. Um, some of my most formative conversations were challenges to my faith by mm. people. Uh, I went through a process of deconstruction my first year of college, hmm. uh, took a world religions and a psychology class at the same time. Okay. Like it just yeah. wrecked me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and so for, for a few months, like didn't know what I believed, didn't know why I believe what I believe, but, um, just kind of went through that whole process. It was a part of my education. It was a part of the thing that made me who I was later on, had a really tough conversation with a good friend who is an atheist. Hmm. Um, and it is really the conversation that I pinpoint as the reason I am now a pastor Hmm. that it it spurred me on to greater depths in my own faith the challenges made it my own the challenges put me in a position where I wanted to know this if if God is real and there's a reason for God then the re all reason will end up at God if it's legitimate and like uh, honestly ask questions sure it would get there. Yeah. And so like for the purpose of education for me, like, man, if we're asking real questions about why things exist, like you said about why, and not just like, uh, maybe that's a problem with our education system is like, there is no why to what we are doing. And I, why? So you can get a job. Who cares about that? Why? So you could be a good person. <laughs> well, who's a good person? Exactly. And this is, yes, this is also the thing too, of like, if I'm just telling you how and what, I don't think that's a full education. I think education is, well, Why? Talking about what, yeah, what you just said, right? Yeah, but again, like the family and the church have that responsibility; they can communicate that. And the only thing, I don't say only thing, back that off. And what you hear a lot of is not that you hear mm-hmm. about how education is turning people from God and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and how the system's broken. It's all just bad, and so we fulfill these prophecies ourselves. We mm-hmm. just make it happen. It's bad, so we'll make it bad, and then it's bad. See, I told you it was bad. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and and so it 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 doesn't it doesn't have to be that way necessarily. Yeah. So um, I, I I just yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah. Clip it's, that out. No, it's all good. It's all it's an interesting conversation too because like I I've been just like there's this question of like should Christians give up on public education like should we be trying to change the model or should we be trying to participate and redeem the model of this this idea that every everyone can come in all worldviews and then we can assume we can have conversations around that I don't know it's just like I get stuck because I think the the educational it's either the teacher or the institution the the shared belief 
like is gonna get for lack of a better term or say preached like your like your education is preaching something regarding the why questions that we were talking about early earlier yeah and if and if those if that message is contrary to our christian values it's like what do we do about that and so I, I feel like we're just full circle back to the beginning of like, what do we do about that? And then like kind of, yeah, it's like, well, what do we do with our kids in the meantime? And, and it's this weird combination of like, I agree with you. I don't think we run away from it. We definitely don't get angry and scream and yell at people because my goodness, that's like the most unchristian thing to do. But we also, uh, but then there's this other thing of like, I feel like I can't just sit back and act like it's fine the way it is philosophically. Like it, it's it's bothering me more and more to to affirm an institution where it's like we're just going to all worldviews and we're going to play according to the lowest common denominator. We're not going to preach any particular religion, but we're going to make quasi-religious assumptions about all of these academic topics and things like that, and we're going to have open conversations but the assumptions that we're making are non-Christian and then how, yeah, it's just like, there's this weird tension that I'm still puzzling through. And so I don't know you're, you're helping me figure it out as we talk. Yeah. I, and I don't think most people are dealing with those first assumptions on a daily basis when they're thinking about like, Oh, you my homework done. You right. Know, like, so right. Uh, take some comfort in that. I yep. would say fair enough. Uh, I'm a big fan of redemption, a uh, big fan of redeeming things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the idea of salt and light. I think that's the idea of build houses, plant gardens. Hmm. Like we might be in exile, but pff, let's redeem our time here. Let's yeah. not waste it while yeah. we're here. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I would say is you were kind of listing things off about like running and hiding. I think that fear should not be a motivator. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That as Christians, we don't have to live in fear. Right. If you're going to send your kids to public school, great. You do not have to fear. You know, mm. you should pray for them and talk to them and take make sure they're in church and not just in sport. Side note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the church of sport. Oh dear. In America. Yeah. Uh, another podcast. So, uh, but, but it's not fear that motivates it. I don't pray cause I'm afraid. I pray cause I love. That's good. Um, and if I'm going to homeschool, I'm not going to homeschool because I am afraid I'm going to homeschool because that's the best thing for my child. And if I'm going to church or public private school, somebody, then I'm going to do that not out of fear, but because that's the best thing for them. Hmm. And I would really, I would really, as a, as a parent question, my own motivations, I would pray about it and I would see like, what is right for me and my family? And I don't, people can't question that, you know, like if, 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 parent is choosing to do what they think is best for their family then good for them do that thing yeah um but i i would never want to give up on a public school hmm. uh, i'm the opposite but i'm biased like uh, i think it for a free society public school is necessary hmm. and for a free society to be moral christians or if we really wanted to get liberal religious people okay need to be involved in that yeah um, not to say that non-religious people are immoral. I got to backtrack that immediately. Like God's law has been written on all of our hearts. It's there. Yeah. Whether or not we're tuned into it or not, people can be moral, uh, even without being religious. Sure. Agreed. So yeah. it, it's there. But, but I do think like, man, a redeemed person to go and redeem places and incarnation of Christ and things like that are really compelling arguments for me. Uh, and I'm very comfortable 
doing the work I do in a public school, um, trying to be the best example I can as a teacher to students, even if I can't be explicitly Christian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I can be implicitly Christian, sure. Uh, and word still gets out, you know. But yeah, uh, they find out. They find. They out. ask you point blank. Yeah, so. they <laughs> will. Like, Where do you got? What do you believe? Um, yeah. And, and even for my own children, like uh, God's got them. God's yeah. got them, and he'll take care of them. He's got a path for them, even as a parent that I can't see and know. And I pray and I trust and I just lean on Christ because that's what we're called to do and love while we do it. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think it's a perfect spot to end the, end the conversation here. Good ending, ending rant. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I feel, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, I mean, we could keep talking and like, there was like 50 tangents that we could have chased. So if you ever want to come back on and keep talking about hey, anytime, education and worldview, that's great. Time, but yeah. yeah, thanks for, man, just thanks for coming on and sharing your perspective. Yeah. And I hope to continue having uh, conversations like this with yeah. you and, thanks for and having with other me. people. Yeah, it awesome. was great. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we will catch you on the next one. Bye.